As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Brains, brains, brains. Yes, that is that is what some zombies say. But uh, today we're going to be looking at a little zombie story where the zombies no, they don't say brains, or nor do they even make funny quips like the Marvel zombies. No, we're going to be looking at the real zombies, the zombies that have overtaken the culture, the zombies, or more so the people, perhaps, from The Walking Dead. And of course, before we get into that, got to bring in my co-host, my co-host with the mostest. He is the rambling, ever-loving Ramzo Martinez. Mark, I was such a Walking Dead fan that I pre-ordered the first Walking Dead video game in 2013 because it came with a zombie ear keychain, like the one that Daryl used to wear in the TV show. And I had it attached to my car keys for six years until somebody said, why do you have an ear keychain that's really weird? And I said, it's because it's from The Walking Dead. And they said, it's still an ear keychain. You should probably take it off. And after that, it did creep me out. And it's somewhere in my cabinet. But I am excited for today. Nerd alert. So before we get into, uh, you know, to talking more about this, this series specifically, obviously this this series has become more than just a comic book. It's become a cultural phenomenon. The show is huge. There's a spinoffs of the show. There's video games. There's just Walking Dead is absolutely everywhere. And I, I think one of the reasons that this series has and just the concept overall has picked up and really connected with people so much is because it's. Yes, the story is centered around zombies, but really when you break it down, it's not a zombie story. It's a human story. It's about how humans react to crazy shit going on around them. Uh, and that that's what really sucked me in about The Walking Dead. Um, I'll just briefly touch on my experience. I think I've mentioned it a couple times before. Um, the Walking Dead series was coming out in my sort of do- comic book dark period that we've mentioned so many times on the show. I wasn't really reading comics at all, but I did hear about the show. And what I found interesting was I actually saw people at the place that I worked at the time uh, holding issues of the comic. Like I had already heard about the series. I saw them reading the comic. These are people that I didn't even know read comics. In fact, I'm pretty sure they read the comics because they saw the show. And I just found that really interesting. It was so I could tell just the fact that I was seeing The Walking Dead out there in in the real world, quote unquote, not like outside of my normal comic book world, uh, that it was definitely something. So when I finally did get back in to start reading comics again, um, 
you know, that was one of the first stories I went to when I wanted to get into some new stuff uh, because I'd heard so much about it. I had read Invincible, so I knew I liked Robert Kirkman's work. Of course, Invincible couldn't be more different than The Walking Dead. Uh, but uh, yeah, that I really dove in and I blazed through this series the first time when I when I first picked it up. Uh, I mean, I, I just shot through this thing and I, I think I got through almost the whole series in a couple of weeks, right up until the point of reading it live. So I don't I don't remember exactly what year The Walking Dead series finished up, um, but basically I, I read all the trades and then I think maybe the last, I want to say the last 10 to 12 issues I was getting monthly and then some Suddenly I, I finished the series live and I think that I'm really glad that I did because as many people know, as fans of the walking dead know, you didn't know the end was coming. In fact, the issue was not advertised as a final issue. I think Robert Kirkman even advertised issues beyond that issue. Cause he didn't want people to know it was going to be the last issue. He came out like, uh, in his blog the week that last issue came out and that was how people knew. It was, it was that abrupt. So what, what about yourself then? What is your, where did you, obviously you're a big walking dead fan. When did you first encounter this series? Was it the comic? Was it the TV show? Give me your full history. It, it was definitely the TV show. I mean, I, I've always liked, uh, indie comics. I always liked the stuff coming out of dynamite, the death defying daredevil, um, not to be confused with Marvel's daredevil. I always liked some of the, uh, image stuff. And, you know, I, I'd grown up with Lee Fox phantom. So like these underground independent comics in the mid two thousands were still not kind of like where they are. I mean, while they're more popular now, even back then, you know, like around 2009, when I remember watching the premiere for the walking dead, it, it didn't really connect with me that that was a comic. So, I mean, I remember watching the pilot with my father and we were big like Zombieland fans and I, the living dead. So we watched it and we were like, Oh my God, the series is great. But then they went ahead and took like a year and a half, two year break between that episode and the rest of the season because they had to get the pilot greenlit. So during that time, that's when I went back and read the comics and everything else. And, you know, just being a guy who is literally preparing for the zombie apocalypse, uh, it it sang to my heart directly. I knew the show was the one. Indeed. And then when did you jump over to the comic and how much of the comic did you read? Have you, did you, have you read the full series? I, I did not read the full series. I kind of jumped around intermittently, but I do remember um, picking it up when, spoiler alert, Glenn died. And at Big that point, alert. I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> well, not a spoiler for fans that I mean, that been, is one that is one commonality. There, there the have been the there have been so many dead Glenn memes across the Internet that even if you're not a Walking Dead fan, you know who Glenn was and you know who Negan and his bat were. It's like the worst kept spoiler at this point. So, I mean, after that, I just kind of figured that, you know, I, I like the comic, but I like the show more. I felt like the additions of a uh, Carol, Daryl. Uh, Merle, a lot of these other folks that were not original to the comics. I mean, I, I just, I, I just liked the t- the show better. It's one of the few times where I think an adaption of source materials actually better than the source material itself. Yeah, we, we definitely differ on that one. Um, and, and I, cause I, I gave the show a try a couple times just could never get into it. It took me like three tries to get through the first season I liked it. I think the furthest I ever got, I think I finally did finish the second season and just had no desire to keep going. But by that time I had read the whole comic and I, I, to me, this is one of my favorite comic runs 
in the history of comics, uh, Robert Kirkman's full Walking Dead run. And I would highly recommend, I mean, if you haven't read the full run, I gotta say, there's just there's just so much you get from the full run, from seeing the full picture of things, that it's just, it's an extremely satisfying uh, reading experience. So that that's my take. And I have, I, have I, I don't think I've seen one episode of the Walking Dead series past season two. Just because wow. it just didn't suck me in, you know. But I, I'm not a TV guy. Man, you didn't get past Herschel's farm. I got past Herschel's farm on the show. That was the end. That was all season two. Yeah. Oh, you got you got past season two. That yeah. lasted for freaking ever. Yeah. Well, that's when that's the first. That's when I bowed out the first time. I was so bored. They spent like it was like it seemed like a whole season on this farm, and I got so bored with it. And that's when I that's when I bounced out. But I did eventually finish that season. Gotcha. But we will now dive in to the Walking Dead series, and we're going to do this thing. We're going to look at the first trade paperback today, and this is uh, this is how I read the series initially. And um, so I don't really know. Maybe I think I think Remzo, you read some of these issue by issue. Maybe you'll have an idea of when some of these are actually separated issues, but I'm just going to go through this trade paperback as one story. Cause it just works as one story and oh, maybe I'll take some guess. Oh, maybe, maybe the issue ended here. Maybe it ended there, but I don't really know. And I'm not going to pull out or try to find the originals just to tell you exactly where these issues end. these people don't care. That's why they listen to us. Cause they don't care. First of all, second of all, I think this is the best way to consume this series in, in trade because it really does. You can just burn through these things unless you specifically want to collect the issues. And I think they are, they have been doing like walking dead deluxe editions lately. They're reprinting these in, in color. color. So if you're, I think this series is works perfect in black and white, but if you're someone who, who needs color, like for me, the Savage dragons were all reprinted in black and white. I like the color versions better of that because I just feel like, you know, when it's done, I feel like whoever it's done originally is, is the best way to see it. So Savage Dragon was originally done in color. They, uh, they decolorize it, I guess, uh, for, uh, you know, for the archive editions to make it cheaper to print essentially. Um, whereas walking dead went the other way. Walking dead was originally done in black and white. So it's, it's drawn and, and sort of, quote unquote colorized with the grays and the blacks to, to look good in black and white. Whereas I haven't even seen the color editions, but I just think that black and white just works so well for the series. It just, it just, it fits the tone, the style, all that stuff. What, what do you, what do you think about that? Just to start there. What do you think about, I mean, black and white, there are not that many black and white comics. Uh, what do you think about just black and white comics in general? And how did you think it works for the walking dead? When I lived in Australia, they used to have a, a chain of these like, you know how when you go to the airport, you have like the little magazine stands where you can buy a Coke and stuff like that? Well, they have a chain in Australia called the News Agency, and the News Agency is how I would buy my comics. So you go there, and they would have a giant wall of comics, and I would get uh, reprints of Lee Falk's The Phantom series, and the cover would be colored, but the inside of the book was never colored. And what I found out was that... um when they did the reprints, they intentionally took out the color to make them cheap for reprint. So they were originally colored. Um, I guess because of that, I had just grown accustomed to it. So years later, when I think dynamite got the publishing rights to the phantom series, uh, they put it in color. And for me, it just didn't feel the same. So I think it comes down to two things. What is the tone of the story? Can it pull it off? Because sometimes black and white is better than color. I mean, I, I mainly apply that to movies. There are some movies mm-hmm. where I think black and white is better than color. I think Logan, if anyone has seen the black and white version of Logan, hell yeah, you need to see that version because it it changes the whole feel of the film. But with this, I mean, it, it I, I've seen it both ways. When I started picking it up, I read it in color first, and then I went to black and white. Um, I, I think, I, I think to each their own at the end of the day, but for the walking dead, I'll definitely say that if you want a, you know, Greg Nicotero, 
um, you know, Robert Romero, George Romero type of zombie horror. This is, this is the feeling you want it in black and white. Yeah. Um, Logan superior in black and white. Snack ciders, justice league, better in color. That's my opinion. I think yours as well. So it just depends on, on the individual sort of story. Um, so we dive right into the walking dead. I, I know this is issue one. I know, I know that much. I know the first page will be issue one after that and you're on your own. Uh, but we start off, we start off uh, with kind of a really cold open here. Um, the, the couple cops are just there. One cop is saying, this is not good. Um, we don't even know who these guys are, uh, are yet, but they're, they're in a kind of a standoff from this sort of you know, bearded hillbilly. And he's saying, I ain't going back. I'll die first. And this one officer, he says, you know, our, our backup is probably 10 minutes away. Um, we're, we're sitting ducks behind this car. Cover me. I'm going to try to make it and, uh, you know, to ditch to that ditch so we can surround this guy. So this one cop runs out um, and then his partner gets, uh, it looks like he gets shot and lo- loses his gun and he's screaming, Rick, and right as he says that Rick who we now know is Rick uh, gets a shotgun blast through the chest seemingly and that is our open and we immediately go to the next page where Rick wakes up in the hospital um, and he's just gasping and he's like whoa what's going on he, he starts getting up um, panel by panel here he pulls himself up um, pulls himself up with uh, I don't know what those things are called the thing that goes in your arm when you're in the hospital uh, pulls the thing, himself man, up the thing. he does collapse initially because he's as we'll soon learn, he's been in a coma for a little while here, so he hasn't been using his legs too well. So he just kind of, he's sitting there for a minute, opens his drawer, uh, t- takes his clothes out. I guess they left some of his clothes there for him, which was nice. And he's going out of the hospital. He's like, just saying like anybody, anybody home, like where, where is everybody here? This is so crazy. Like did everyone just decide to take a break at the same time? Uh, he opens an elevator and sees this nasty dead body there. And he's just like, ah, he screams. And he's and he's screaming, help, help. And he just sees his body. He doesn't really know what this is yet. Somebody help anybody, anybody. You could tell his his voice is kind of like getting weak because obviously he's been in a coma for a week here. Um, he's walking around the hospital. He's like, what is going on here? He comes across this door that's that's been barricaded with like a, a two by four. He pulls open, pulls off the two by four, slowly opens the door and he sees a room full of zombies uh, just there, just nasty this is a full page panel in the black and white here of, of these these nasty room full of zombies just doing some of them look half dead some of them are just kind of wandering around but they have overtaken the place and he is just like obviously after waking up from a coma and seeing this he is freaking out he's like oh uh, you know and, and he just runs back he's like get away from me get away from me can't you understand he thinks he's he still doesn't quite know they're zombies or know what zombies are uh, obviously um so he's trying to talk to them he's like don't you understand me like and then the zombies just coming after him and uh they tumble down these stairs and the zombie's head actually uh ends up ends up coming off in the in the tussle here and rick takes his belt slams that door back closed and closes it and he's just like what the hell was all that um what do you think of just how this show started because i have how this show now i'm doing a new version of issues and episodes uh what do you think of how the series just started off so cold because I, I feel like if this was i don't remember exactly how it played out in the tv series but if this was like a lot of other comic book writers or a, a lot of other you know, you know tv shows you would probably get like 20 minutes of rick like patching himself together like ca- crawling out of the bed like really extended or, or you would have gotten more backstory about rick and getting shot and all this but it's really two pages it's you see rick get shot then he wakes up in the hospital and you, boom we're in zombie town so what do you think of this what i would call like a pretty hot start to things robert kirkman talks about it in the secret origins of comics uh documentary series on amc he knew that going into the series he was already going up um 
you know, up a hill in terms of expectations because zombie books traditionally didn't perform well. And a lot of the ones that have been published in the past that no one can really, you know, name a title of, they all followed the same type of, you know, repetitive story that you would typically find in any zombie movie. So he knew I've got to rip the bandaid off. I have to lead with this not being a typical zombie story. And I need people to know that in the walking dead shit happens fast. Um, I think that in terms of an introduction, the comic book introduction was better than the introduction, the pilot of the TV series, the pilot of the TV series did start with action, but it was more of that traditional zombie genre opening that you would typically get. And I think it's because they were like, if people are watching a movie about zombies or a TV show about zombies, this is what they come to expect. But comic book readers are not mutually exclusive to that. So we've got to, up the ante. Yeah. And zombie stories were, were so much seen as a, as a, you know, not a winner in the comic book market that uh, I think we discussed this in our our image episode when we looked at the image revolution. Uh, But Robert Kirkman basically had to like deceive his way into the series. Like he, he was like, okay, I'm going to do a zombie zombie series. And uh, I'm trying to remember who the editor in chief, it might've been Eric. I think it was Eric. I think it was, I think it was Larson because was it it Valentino? It it was, it was one or both of them. I mean, Valentino was on as publisher and then as president. President, but they were all basically like, you can't do a zombie book. So what he told them was, was that, no, this is an alien invasion book, but you don't know about that till the, towards the end. They use zombies to basically clear the earth. So then they were like, okay, Robert, where are those aliens? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, it's they're, they're not yeah, here. Yeah, he basically said, well, no, don't worry. After like a few issues, you, you realize, oh, it's aliens that are behind this. And then it turns into a whole other thing. And then, yeah, after like seven, eight, nine issues, they're like, zombie, there's no aliens, are there? He's like, no. <laughs> By that point, it started to kind of pick up a little bit of buzz. So they just they just ran with this thing. But I mean, this series did not do well in the beginning at all. I think I, I think I saw something like the first issue sold like something like six or seven thousand copies like that. That is nothing. That is almost actually nothing in the comic book world. Um, but, you know, it did. It's something that slowly built up buzz like for, like after I think it was maybe four or five issues, certain fans started. You know, there's, it was like one of those Internet chatter things. People started to talk about it. And then the numbers slowly started to tick up, tick up until it became an absolute cultural phenomenon. Spawn the TV series. You know, the rest uh, moving on here. Rick is um, dealing with this whole situation. He's, he's now wandering out, wandering off from the hospital and there's just, there's nobody around. Uh, he's just like, well, Jesus, what's going on here? He, he's seeing like these random dead bodies. He see, comes upon a car that's crashed with these bodies poured out of it. Um, he, he continues walking and, and you see, he finally comes upon this zombie body. That's like, it's basically a skeleton, but it's still sort of zombie alive. It's just like, and Rick is like about to vomit. Actually, I think he does actually like puke from looking at this thing here. And it's, it's like, it's trying to communicate with him. It's trying to talk. It's even trying to come after him, but it can't move. Cause it's such a fucked up zombie body. looks like it got into a bike accident or something like that. Uh, or maybe became a body after it or became a zombie after it was in a bike accident. It's like the Stephen Hawkins of zombies. Pretty much. This is the Stephen Hawkins origin story. Uh, but Rick does take this bike and he's like starting to walk away with a bike. And then he just collapses. He's just like, Oh God, and he just collapses and like like sobs for a minute and then gets back slowly gets up and is crying gets back on the bike because i think i mean this is happening so hard and fast i mean in in rick's world he just got shot you know like he doesn't remember anything and then he was in a coma for at this point he doesn't know how long he'll find out later on and then he wakes up to this freaking zombie world and and it's just like i don't know how you 
deal with all this. So I, I think it would really worked well for this character to just to not just be plowing through this. I mean, he's plowing through it because he's reacting to the world around him, but he's a human and he's dealing with it a lot. I mean, he, he is, he's, he's hitting those emotional lulls where he's like, what, what is even happening here? Um, but he bikes over and, and just the whole town is trash. Everything looks like, like all just all messed up. And, um, you know, the windows are broken. Uh, everything is a disaster. And he gets up to what we presume is his house. And he says like, son of a bitch, he walks in. We do kind of see like pictures of him and his family in the background. He's walking around his house, searching for things. And he's just like, nothing, there's nothing here goes around the back of the house and we see he gets slammed in the back of a head with a shovel and uh this kid is like dad dad and, and his dad's like jesus shit son what son what did you do and the kid's like he was gonna try to eat us dad and they're like no no son this this guy's alive he's not he's not a zombie and the kid's like oh uh sorry about that so they go bring him inside rick wakes up and he's like hey what's going on here he's like oh uh, you're awake we're just we're just getting ready to have dinner uh you want to join us and he's like uh wait but can you tell me what the hell's going on here first it's like oh yeah yeah sorry about my boy he he hit you over the head with a shovel and he's like what, what are you talking about he's like you thought you were one of those things He's like, things? You mean these monsters that are at the hospital? Who are you people? What the hell is going on? He's like, whoa, 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 calm down there, buddy. This is all just a misunderstanding. You see, my, my boy didn't mean anything. And he's like, how did Rick's like, how did it all happen? What went wrong? And he, and this is when the guy realized like, oh, he has no idea. He's like, wait a minute, hold up. Don't you, damn son, don't you know about any of this? And he's like, no, I was shot. I woke up at the hospital. I was in a coma. I was attacked by these things. Like, I don't know what's happening. And, and he's just like, oh shit, well, yeah, there's been a lot. I mean, all media shut down after a few weeks. Um, you didn't really hear much after that. If they found a way to stop it, then they haven't made it here yet. So those things are just everywhere. So a uh, good. And he's, this is when we start to learn a little bit more, you know, about the zombies, about um, you know how how you can deal with them. And he's like, you know, a good blow to the head will usually take them out. So that's why this kid had the shovel. That's why it was his instinct to hit Rick with the shovel when he thought he was a zombie, because they've learned that you know you, you whack him in the head, pretty much takes him out. And then Rick is upset. He's like, because, he, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't know what happened to his family. And this guy's like, well, you know, they say that the government's, uh, you know, going to go to the big cities and, and you know, clean this thing up. So, uh, you know, I, I would just go to a big city. And Rick's like, well, my, my in-laws live in Atlanta. That's only a five-hour drive from here. So that, that's probably where my wife went. Okay, so if they're protecting the cities, then then they should be okay. And they're still kind of like, I don't know how much this guy, um, what's this guy's name? I forgot this guy's name. Uh, how much he's just kind of playing things down because Rick is just figuring this out because he's kind of like, yeah, sure, man. I'm, I'm sure they're fine. But it, it almost like to me, it almost plays like he's just giving Rick a little hope here because he hasn't fully grasped how bad the situation is where Rick's just like, oh, yeah, they're, they're in the city. So I'm sure I'm sure the government's got him covered here. Um, and he's like, all right, well, I need a car to go to Atlanta. Want to go shopping? So they head over to the police station and uh, you know, Rick has the keys. So you know, he goes and gets himself a car and um yeah, and, he's, and this is when they introduce each other, to, and um, he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm Rick, Rick Grimes, and uh, yeah, Morgan, Morgan Jones, is Morgan Jones, that was his name, Morgan Jones, and and little Dwayne, his his little son here, and um, basically he just says like, "Hey, it's it's all good. Sorry about you know, sorry about hitting you with the shovel and everything, uh, but you know, it's worth it to get to talk to someone." He's like, "Because the, the only one I haven't talked to is my my son here, and all he cares about is like cartoon cartoons and farts. So it's it's nice to talk to an adult here." And um, yeah, but then Rick Rick takes a gun and uh, they go into the armory, get a bunch of guns, and he gets into his his iconic sheriff sheriff Rick uh, sheriff Rick gear here. So he's got the hat, uh, he's got the jacket, got the full gear, and he's like, "Hey, if I'm going to be rolling into some other city, I figure it might be better if the authorities see me as it's like as like a sheriff. They see me as uh, someone in a position of authority that they'll you know maybe respond a little bit better to. Not think I'm a zombie." Gives a uh, what's this guy's name again? 
Well, Morgan gives Morgan a few guns as a parting gift and uh, they head out as they're heading out. They do see um, that there is a zombie like behind a fence here and Rick comes out and pulls out his gun. So we're learning a little bit more here again about the zombies and they're like, he's like, no, d- don't, don't shoot it. Uh, just saves the, you might need that bullet later. This thing is just in there. It's in this fenced in area. It's harmless. Just, just leave it there. And I was like, all right, I guess, I guess I will. So they take off and Rick drives off in his police car and as he he or he makes a stop at the end and he gets out and he sees that same like half dead zombie just talking there. I don't know if this is supposed to be like someone he knew or he's just sad about the whole situation. But uh, he gets out, pulls out his gun, blasts this dying half dead, non dead zombie in the face and wipes a tear from his eye. And to me, this was just, you know, this was Rick that was clearly I think he's actually coming to terms with the situation a little bit here and and trying to hold deal with the whole humanitarian aspect of it. Like he knows this creature is, is, is in a is not dead because it's a zombie, but it can't move. And so he kind of like shows a little bit of humanity here by, um, even though he's killing it, he's really just putting it out of its misery. Cause it wasn't really harming anyone. Just, just laying there. And yeah. I mean, remember when people were, were getting high on bath salts in Florida and they were eating people naked in the sidewalk. I remember hearing about that. I was really thinking that was a zombie situation. And my, my first reaction was you have to shoot that guy. And then uh, Remzo got in his car, drove down to Florida with a shotgun. And well, I can't really talk about what happened next. What happens in Florida stays in Florida. I don't know if this is where the first issue ended, but it felt like where the first issue should end. So why don't we just get your initial thoughts on this whole situation, on on the introduction to The Walking Dead, Rick waking up in this crazy world. And I particularly want to ask what you think about the pacing here. Because again, I think I mean, one thing that Robert Kirkman is letting you know is that shit happens fast here. And I think that is one of the reasons I was able to get into the series so quickly because I didn't have time to think about much because it's boom, boom, boom. And you really never get bored here. And this, this is kind of true throughout the walking dead, the entirety of the series. There's no lulls, you know, unlike in the show where they spend like half a season at a farm at some point, like this, the series keeps things interesting and keeps things moving. Whereas I think a lot of other writers like would have played, like this would be like four or five issues (laughs) with a lot of other writers. They'd be playing this whole thing out. Nope. Like in the first issue, like Rick figures this stuff out. He's Sheriff Rick. He's headed to Atlanta and, and we're off to the races. I think sometimes in comics, color can be no, And I think by just showing the pencil work and the inking in this comic, um, especially in this first issue, you just cut to it. You pay a lot more attention to these things. And when the zombies show up, I mean, we've seen enough zombies throughout, you know, pop culture. We've never really seen a zombie in black and white. We've never really had to see that these aren't just, you know, ghouls and monsters. These are people who are deformed and literally the walking dead. So it it adds a layer to it, which was wholly unique to The Walking Dead. And a lot of the zombie genre has been changed, not simply because of the show, but because of this comic specifically. I love the pace. I love the character setup. I love the world we're establishing. Um, I had no criticisms of this issue. Me neither. I mean, and this is why I got so into this series so quickly, too, because I I mean, I think the pacing is a strength here. The the fact that especially with zombie stuff, you know, zombies move slow, usually depending on your zombies. Uh, But so the the stories can often feel slow, but that is absolutely not the case here. So we pick right back up and we see that Rick has uh, seemingly made it to Georgia. We see a welcome to Georgia sign, uh, but he's just kicking. He's kicking a gas. He's at a gas station, just kicking the thing. He's like, God damn it. Not again. So, you know, they, they really, they show you, they show you without showing you, you know, they don't show Rick going to 10 gas stations. We, you just, all it takes is the one panel, which is what I, 
Another aspect of Robert Kirkman's like uh, work that I really enjoy, he has a really strong ability to tell you a lot about what happened without showing you at all with, by, by telling you in a very simple form. So all you need to know about Rick's, you know, Rick's frustration right now and his journey is that he's kicking this gas, the gas station thing. And uh, he's saying, God damn it. Not again. And that just, t- that tells you right away, right away in one panel that Rick has been through this a really frustrating situation where he keeps trying to get gas and eventually here has completely run out of gas. Um, so he's looking out and gets out of the car and he's just like, shit, like he's run out of gas. It's over. So Rick has got to start walking. Good old sheriff Rick. So he's walking, comes upon this house, knocks on the door, <laughs> opens the door. He's like, anybody home? I'm coming in. And he opens the door and you actually see now, I think the first time I read this, I didn't realize it, but going through, these are not zombies. Actually, these are, this is just a dead family that seemingly, and you can even see the blood spatter behind one of them on the wall. Um, which makes sense because if they were zombies, they probably wouldn't be dead unless a bunch of humans killed them. It's, and you see like a, a cross on the wall. So this is like a, clearly a, like a religious family. So, I, and they're, they're all holding Bibles and the one dad, the one thing that's dumb is that the, the gun is like still in the dad's I'm calling him the dad. I'm just assuming uh, still in the guy's hand, which is kind of a little silly, like <laughs> probably would have fallen out after he blew his own brains out. I'll just let that one go though. Um, and, and then Rick just hurls. He like, he puts his hand over his mouth, runs out, pukes his guts out outside. Um, and then he comes upon this horse and, and now, now it makes a little more sense. Cause at first I was kind of thinking like, well, why isn't the, maybe they don't eat animals, but you know, in a little bit, we'll see that they do eat animals. Um, but it seems that this family just killed themselves instead of getting zombified. So maybe the zombies never really made it to this place, man. Even if they did, would you rather, if you're in a situation like that, like let, let, let's think of like, um, what was it? Was it George or no, it wasn't George Orwell. He was the, he was the radio guy. Did Citizen Kane, H.E. Wells, Orson Wells, Orson Wells, yeah, or Orson Wells, Orson Wells did the War of the Worlds broadcast, and people thought it was real. The aliens were actually invading, so you had a bunch of people mm-hmm. like in the country shoot themselves. Oh, people shot because themselves like, over we, that. People killed themselves. It was. I, a I knew real it was like a bit thing. of a mass panic, but I didn't realize like their actual deaths attributed to it. Oh, they they were they were a bunch of murders and suicides. Oh. He had to end the transmission because people were calling in and cops and politicians were like, you have to stop. People think this is real. He's like, but we're getting amazing ratings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. Imagine if there were real zombies that were really happening. I mean, yeah, you probably would see a lot of people killing themselves and taking their own lives and that sort of thing. But uh, yet these people, I I think they got the best of it. You know, they just seem to have regular deaths. They didn't get eaten by zombies. They didn't turn into zombies. So, you know, go, go farmers, go religious farmer guys. Cause they, I think they came out, uh, other than living, which you can even argue that living in this world right now, like Rick is, as we'll see with a bunch of other characters, you could argue that just having shot yourself in the head might be better than even living in this world, this world to come, especially seeing everything that plays out. But, um, this episode of second brick comics is brought to you by suicide. <laughs> Our latest sponsor, everybody go to, no, actually go to a, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to go in on this thread. If you stop, if you, yeah. stop while you're ahead. Suicide hotlines are free. Uh, Google them, please. If you're having issues, I do. I strongly believe that moving on. Um, Rick is just, you know, hanging out with this horse and he's like, patting it. He's like, you're ready to go girl. The horse is a horse. So has been ridden before. So he hops on. He's like, let's go. Yeehaw. So we get Sheriff Rick riding a horse. So he's riding this horse, uh, down through town. He's kind of losing his mind. So he's talking to the horse. He's like, you got a name. Um, 
And he's like, yeah, you know, it's a good idea. And talking about the happiest day of my life will surely get my mind off all the messed up shit I've been recently. So, so Rick's just talking, talking to his horse, talking to this horse, and kind of uh, recounting. Let's see, I think he's talking about um, the day that uh, that his his son was born. Um, and he she her water broken uh, not ten minutes after he left for work. He grabbed his ho- coat, ran home to get her. Got Gilroy to call Doc Stevens so he could meet her at the hospital. And I got to the hospital without a hitch. One of the only times I got to use the sirens on my car. And he's just telling this whole this whole story about he used the sirens and you know his, his wife had a cesarean. Everything. Rick loves his family. Rick loves his family a lot. And he's going to tell this horse about it because it's like the only way he can stay sane. Um, he then gets to seemingly Atlanta. He is on this horse and he's just like, well, here we are in this city. They say it doesn't look like things have worked out too well there, like like Morgan was kind of implying uh, before. So he's just like, oh, here we are, huh? Rick gets off a horse, sees one zombie like on the ground. This is like, Rah! and then he sees, looks around, sees a couple more zombies. And then this is a little silly to me, actually. And when I when I recap it, suddenly he's surrounded by zombies, like really surrounded by zombies. And he's like, shit. And that, that seems like because one minute he's wa- walking into the city and there's nothing around him. And then like the next second zombies are just around him and we know these zombies move pretty slow so eh, did that bother you at all that suddenly he's just surrounded by zombies no because i want to see some zombie violence you don't really see that in the first one so by now it should almost be like something that's guaranteed and i mean for all the zombie apocalypse tropes and everything else here you have the sheriff riding into atlanta on a white horse of all things of course i want some shit to go down dude so this is a, a scene um, coming up that, I mean, I think it sticks pretty close to the show, similarly to the show anyway, for like at least the first few issues. Um, because this is in this scene, like Rick is freaking out. He's like, shit, shit, shit. All the zombies are coming after him. He falls off his horse and then the, the zombies start eating the horse, poor horse. And he's like, oh, oh God. And this one zombie gets a look at him. He's like, shit, shit, shit. And this uh, he just hacks this zombie uh, with an ax in the head seems to take care of thing, but he is like, son of a bitch. I am. He is like, he is surrounded by zombies. And we also uh, see these zombies just tearing up this horse. Like just, just the, they are, they are having a feast here. He's like, bastards, what the hell is wrong with you? And Rick is still like, like he knows they're like mindless, like, it, but he's, he hasn't quite, he hasn't quite let go of the humanity aspect. Cause he still tries to like reason with the zombies. Like what is wrong with you? Like, these are not Marvel zombies, man. You can't just, you can't have conversations with these guys. Um, and then he takes out his gun and he starts shooting. Blam. Takes out one zombie. Blam. Takes out another zombie. Blam. Takes out another zombie. And then he's just like, well, this isn't working. There's just more and more zombies coming at me. So he runs and then he's running into an alley and then he gets grabbed by someone and this, and he gets grabbed by this kid who, of course, this kid is this young Asian boy named Glenn. And he's like, I can get you out of here. Follow me. Stop using that gun. You'll have the whole city following us. You know what I just realized is really ironic. Yeah. So Glenn first appeared in the comics. Um, then he is played by, I think it's a Ryan show. I'm probably screwing it up in the walking dead TV series. And then when invincible, the cartoon comes out, it happens to be voiced by the same actor who played Glenn. I don't know if it happened to be, I'm sure Robert Kirkman probably has something to do with it or maybe he probably really likes him. I'm I'm just saying, you know, it's one of those moments where it's like full circle here. We've come full circle. Yeah. So Glenn's like, don't worry about those zombies down there. They're, they're, they're so slow. Like they're not going to get down here fast. It's fine. Stay here. He's like, stay here. Okay. Steven Young. That's his name. Steven Young. Yeah. Yeah. People get mad. Steven Young. He's great as the, as the voice, as the character in Invincible. Oh, he's perfect. Uh, Yeah. So Glenn like hops up, starts climbing this ladder. He's like, come on, let's go. I'm trying to save your life. And Rick is still just like stunned. Like, you know, he's, he's having trouble processing everything that's going on here. He's like, uh, sorry, I've just, I've just never seen so many of them. And that's when Glenn's like, well, you're, you're a lucky man. There's that's like, that's nothing, man. This is, this is nothing at all. Like down here, like I come here every day and you know, have you, have you got 50 more feet into the city before they attacked you? 
like, you would not be here right now. And he's like, and this is when Rick is realizing like, wait, what? Like, like, cause he, he thought that the cities were protected. He's like, Oh, the government's coming to protect the city. So that's where my family is. So I think this is when he started to realize like, Oh, maybe my, maybe my family's not alive after all. And, but there's no time to chat. Glenn's like, come on, we got to go. Got to hurry. He's like, wait, before you know it, Glenn jumps across the, the rooftop to another roof. I think we are somewhere probably in issue three right now is my guess, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and, uh, and Glenn jumps across the roof and, and Rick is just like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not jumping across the roof. He's like, well, you have to, because <laughs> this is basically, this is it. The zombies think you're in this building. They saw you climb the thing and they're dumb zombies. So they're just going to, if you try to come down in the same building, they're just going to be waiting there for you. So you have no choice you have to jump across the roof and rick's like god damn it all right so he gets a running start jumps across across these rooftops and like kind of gets it and he's like his body is like halfway on the roof and then glenn comes over and then pulls him up glenn's just like jesus man you should have thrown the duffel bag first dumbass and he's like oh yeah thanks for telling me now because rick has this duffel bag with all the guns in it and everything um so yeah probably would have made sense not to jump with that and then he doesn't he know comic book science doesn't he know how to jump from rooftop to rooftop and he's like, all right, well, we got to hurry. We got to get out of here um, while we can. And they're just kind of chatting. Uh, you know, Glenn's kind of telling him more about the zombies. He's like, look, look, you know, we're not we're not in the clear yet. This building is close to the woods at the edge of the city. So we've got to run about a block before we can get to them. And, uh, you know, there are liable to be a few of those things on the way. So as long as we keep moving, they shouldn't be able to surround us. That That's the big thing. The zombies move slowly. So as long as you're strategic about it, as long as you're aware of what's around you and you stop yourself from getting surrounded by them, you can, you can kind of survive. And that's how Glenn has survived all of these, um, this incursions that he's made, um, into the city. Um, so they're, they're kind of, they're still traveling out, coming out of the city and, uh, they like, they're running and running. They, they kind of pass one zombie. He's like, geez, I didn't even see that one. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to keep your eyes open, man. <laughs> like Glenn's just kind of laying into him. Cause you know, Glenn's been living in this zombie world for the last month or so. And here's this guy who just barely knows anything about these zombies. He's like, where have you been for the past month? He's like in a coma. And he's like, seriously? He's like, yeah, I woke up in the hospital yesterday. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, oh, okay. So they, they stop and have a little chat and he's like, you know, what were, what were you saying about the city earlier? Like how did dangerous is it where are all the people that were there and he's like oh uh yeah that was them that was them trying to eat us just now they're they're all zombies now he's like you can't go into the cities anymore everyone in the cities are dead like that's the worst place you can be which is the exact opposite of what of what rick thought and what he was told by this morgan guy he's like yeah the government tried to hurt everyone into the cities so we'd be yeah here we come again the government trying to trying to fix things and just make it worse the government tried to hurt everyone do you remember that dude who woke up in a coma in the middle of 2020 and he had been in like a coma for like 10 years. Oh, he woke up in the middle of COVID? Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that might be worse than actual zombies, but that's a whole nother angle. There's a lot more to explain than, than the zombies. Yeah, for sure. It's like, how much time you got, pal? Yeah, zombies just like, here's zombies. But yeah, you have to explain all, a lot of other weird shit now. Um, the government, he said, yeah. So Glenn is explaining, like, the government tried to hurt everyone in the city so it would be easier to protect. But all that did was put all the food in one place. So every time one of those things kills one of us, we become one of them. So it took about a week for just about everyone in the city to be killed and turn into zombies. Uh, yeah, after that, we don't know. Nobody can get in or out. Do you have family in there or something? He's like, oh. and this is when Rick, like, collapses. He's like, my wife, my son. He's like, he's just realizing now. He's like, oh maybe this hope I had that my family was safe in the city with my in-laws. Maybe that's really not what, what's going on here. So, I mean, um, you know, he's like, and Glenn's like, Hey, sorry, dude, I hate for you to have to hear it this way. And he's like, well, you know, we're from Kentucky. I was told people were ordered to larger cities. So I figured my wife would have taken my son to her parents here in Atlanta. He's like, maybe they didn't come here, but yeah, I don't even know where else they'd be. He's like, well, don't give up, man. I've seen all kinds of people that have survived some crazy shit. We got, we got a guy at camp that kind of actually made it out of Atlanta. He's like, camp. Did you say camp? He's like, yeah, let's go. We're going to camp. So uh, before you know it, 
you know, they get to the camp here and immediately, and this is another thing, like you might, people might criticize the series for, for kind of moving too fast, but this is why I think I was able to get into the series so quickly because it moves so fast because in a lot of comics here, he gets to the camp and immediately he sees his wife, Lori and, and his son, Carl, they run up, they hug him and he's like, Oh my God, thank God. My, my wife, my, my wife and kid are here. So we sort of resolved that part uh, of Rick's journey here pretty quickly so we can move on to some other things. But I, I feel like a lot of comic writers, like he would, you know, he'd start, he'd start searching for his lo- his wife and kid. He'd be looking for clues. You know, they would draw this story out so long of when he actually ends up, you know, reuniting with his family. But here we are in issue three, two, I don't know exactly. Um, and he's reunited with his family. So what do you think of, of that, the re- resolution of that issue so quickly instead of like what I think many more formulaic writers would have just played this thing out for so long. Like is Rick ever going to see his family? It, it might've been issue 30 with a lot of other writers before uh, Rick finds his wife and son again. So Robert Kirkman's whole shtick is following the Eric Larson model of you already know the comics you like, you've already seen it done a million ways. Let's go ahead and change up the formula. Yes. So what, what Kirkman does is he sets up the standard story, but then what he does is he jumps to a quick, to a quick resolution. And then he takes a step to the left and does something you really don't fucking expect. And that way, what it does is it goes around the familiar and it immediately goes into the realm of anything fucking goes, you will not be ready for what happens. And he does that intentionally. And he's the master of that. He took what Eric Larson did with Savage Dragon and he, he turned it on its head again with, um, with, uh, with this. And I mean, he even did that with, uh, with invincible. I mean, one of my favorite invincible story arcs was the death of everyone where he was making fun of deaths in comic books. And it was a whole gaudy thing. And at the end of the day, no, I mean, some people die, but like no one really dies. And he's, he's making fun of the whole thing. I mean, the resolution to the whole story was not as impactful in the way that you would typically expect a death of Captain America, death of Superman, death, 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 death. Robert Kirkman's just like, I'm going to go ahead and take this shit that you're accustomed to. And we're going to go a completely different direction, sometimes making fun of it, sometimes shedding light on it, but never giving you exactly what you expect. That, that's exactly right. And he, uh, Robert Kirkman is a huge Eric Larson f- fan and uh, the influence is definitely there because uh, Eric Larson, he basically does is doing for the zombie genre what Eric Larson did for the superhero genre. Uh, Eric Larson takes superhero tropes, uh, takes you, you know, sends you on a way that you think you're going to go because you've been seeing these stories for your whole life. And then he just, he just takes you in a totally different direction or he, or he gets to the thing, the tropey thing quickly and then blows that thing up and then takes it a whole, totally different way and always keeps you guessing. And that's one thing I've always loved about Savage Dragon. It's why it is to this day, my favorite ongoing comic book of all time, because it never lets you get bored. I mean, you, you, you can never get into it. Tra- Even when you think, okay, now we're going to this direction and it, always he always takes you another in a different direction and it's never just it's never stupid either it's never just for the shock value there's the shock value but it's always for a reason and it it always makes sense with the grander story he's telling and i think robert kirkman is is uh very much does the same thing here like yes we could have drawn out uh rick searching for his family for 10 12 15 30 issues 
but that's what other comics would do, and we're not we're not doing that here. That's what Robert Kirkman is letting you know. We're not doing that here. So take what you think you know about where this is going to go. Take what you think you know about zombies and throw it out because you know don't get comfortable because I'm not going to let you get comfortable. And that's I think that's that's why I am so drawn to like the work of Robert Kirkman. You see that here. You see that in Invincible, uh, and it's it's very much similar to to what I do enjoy about Eric Larson. So very apt comparison, Young Ramzo. Moving along. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so Rick has reunited with his family. He's also there with Shane, uh, his partner, Shane. Shane is, is the one that we saw in that very first page uh, who was uh, supposed to be covering him when uh, when, when Rick got shot, but kind of like fucked up and, and you know, dropped his gun. And uh, Lori's just like, you know, Shane, Shane helped us get here. We wouldn't have made it without him. And and you know, Rick's like, I guess I owe you more more than I'll ever be, be able to replay pay. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm like, don't worry. You don't really owe him one. He, yeah. <laughs> you don't owe him anything, pal. <laughs> Not at all. Did I master the Seth Rogen laugh? <laughs> I want to see Seth Rogen get eaten by zombies in a movie. That that would be beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck um, that guy. Then we kind of meet some of the people that are there at camp here. We meet uh, Alan, this sort of this big burly dude, uh, this woman, Donna and her twins, uh, Billy and Ben. Uh, this guy, Dale, he's kind of like an older guy. He's got this RV that they use. Um, another guy, Jim, who's just over there eating. Uh, let's see who else is there. There's uh, there's Carol and her daughter, Sophia, who I believe they are in the series. At least the daughter, Sophia, is in, is in the walk. Maybe we can com- kind of compare some of this cast of characters yeah. uh, to those in the show because obviously we have Glenn, Rick, and Shane are all in the show. Uh, but there's no – what's the name of the guy? Daryl. He's not – Daryl. He, he's totally made up for the show. He's he's not part yeah. of this. Uh, I think he's like he feels like a kind of a composite of some other characters in some way. He he was he was simply added because uh, Kirkman and uh, Greg Nicotero really liked Norman Reedus and the Boondock Saints, and they wanted ah. to find a way to work. Boondock with Saints him. is a fucking amazing movie. Yes, we also meet Amy and Andrea, the sisters. Uh, let's see, uh, Donna and her twins. And then, yeah, they're all introducing everyone to Rick and lot, yada, yada, yada. This is, this is our crew. This is Rick's crew. Although, you know, because this is, uh, the walking dead, don't get too used to anybody. That's, that's, just, that's all I'll say. Um, they're kind of, uh, having a campfire here and he's, it looks like he's getting his wedding ring back. Uh, he's like, Oh, I'm so glad you saved this for me. Like I, I felt naked without it. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just talking about kind of everything that happened. And, and she's, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so sorry. We didn't like go back to the hospital and get you. We were told the, <laughs> the hospital was protected. I'm sorry. We left you Rick. And he's like, Oh, it, it's cool. I understand. You know, you thought Atlanta would be safer for Carl. I would have done the same thing. You would have, I don't think Rick would have done the same thing by the way. <laughs> no, Lori's always been fucking terrible. Yeah, I, so. I think Rick would have gone to the hospital and got his fucking wife out of there. That that's just, that's my, uh, my inkling. He's like, yeah, well they said people were going to stay at the hospital that they were, when they were evacuated from us that you know they said we, we they told me like you know we, we got to get out of here and you know, the hospital will be safe so uh but i guess they must have abandoned the hospital like a week after that we left yeah well, or they all turned into zombies one or the other um rick's like it's all good you did what was right for carl i'm just i'm just glad shane was around to help you get to get here like are you are you he's like oh yeah i don't think i would have even found the way down here without shane uh let alone survive oh, she found the way down <laughs> she found the way down spoiler alert she, she finds low, the way down everybody low 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 and, low low <laughs> and basically like, at one point they're just sitting there and rick it just starts like shaking and he's like, yeah, the past two days, I've been so worried about finding you and Carl and getting here one piece. He's like, I haven't even had time to be scared. Like, it's like, finally, Rick, he hasn't had time. Like, this whole time, he's just been bouncing from one thing to the other. He's waking up in the hospital. He's getting hit with a shovel. He's riding a horse. Like, he's looking for gas. Like, all this shit's happening. And now he finally has the time to, like, actually absorb the horror of the situation they're in. So, thoughts. Thoughts at this point. 
This feels like an issue end. I don't even know if it is though. It, it, it's, it's one of these things where it's like th- this, this could drag, but it's not. Uh, this was probably just a really good filler issue. It carries on with everything. I'm still happy though. I'm ready to continue. Indeed. Indeed. So continue. We shall. And uh, Rick is waking up here and talking to Lori and he's like, um, he gets up and he, walks out and Shane is there and he's like, Oh Shane. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, I thought you'd still be asleep. You kept watching most of the night. Didn't you? He's like, yeah, well Glenn took over about halfway through, but you know, I, I'm not really sleeping too much. Uh, you want to shower? And he sends him into Dale. They pretty much all use uh, Dale's shower. Uh, so he goes in there, comes across Dale and he's like, Oh, sorry, man. You, you scared me there. I'm just you know here to lose the, use the shower. And Dale's like, you're Lori's husband, right? And he's like, yeah, he's like, like, uh, I don't want to stir up any trouble here. He's like, do you though? Uh, he's like, but, uh, you got to understand this has nothing to do with your wife. She did nothing, nothing wrong. All she did was talk about you the whole time. This is the other thing that kind of doesn't make sense. Like wouldn't Glenn make some kind of, if Lori's really been talking about her husband this whole time as the sheriff from Kentucky, like wouldn't, and then Glenn meets this guy who's a sheriff from Kentucky. who's looking for his wife and kid. You'd think he might have said, Oh, maybe it's this chick at the camp who has, whose husband is a sheriff. Uh, um, but he's he's just like assumed that she was dead. So that that's I think when you're in the fog of the zombie apocalypse, you let little details like that move along. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, basically, um, yeah, Dale basically says like, look, uh, Shane, he's a good man. Helps out a lot around here. He, he took care of your wife, but he's not glad you're back. <laughs> he's like, he's, oh, he took care of your wife. <laughs> he's had his eye on Lori for as long as I've known them. And he, and Rick's kind of blow, blowing off. He's like, I appreciate it. But look, Shane's my friend. We go way back. He's just keeping her safe. I don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> Gotta and, understand. And as he walks my away. My hot wife would never fuck my hot friend, <laughs> even if I died. That would never They're happen. They're both loyal too much. Even if they left me to die in a, in a zombie infested hospital. And Dale's like, I just, I wouldn't trust him around my wife. He's like, cool, buddy. I'll keep that in mind whatever crazy old man (laughs) uh so yeah rick walks out and uh he meets up with dale and they are gonna go hunting um we then see um um Lori is uh, talking to Carl. Um, she's like, Carl, where are you going? And he's like, um, you know, over by Sophia's car. We're going to go play in dirt. <laughs> like, that's what you do in a zombie apocalypse. You just play in dirt. And he's like, all right, we're going to go wash clothes. You just, uh, you just keep an eye on things here. And if Alan, cause there's always someone on watch. So Alan is like the one on watch right now. So they're like, if Alan says to get in the RV, you just do it. And he's like, all right, mama. So, um, while Rick and Shane are off hunting, Lori and, uh, the sisters are, I think it's the sisters and yeah, basically all the women are going off to, uh, to do laundry here. And they, this actually leads to a conversation. Uh, I think like Donna is kind of the one leading it here. Uh, she's like, you know, you're, you guys are excited about doing laundry detergent. This is such bullshit. It's like the men go hunting, the women do the laundry. This is so stupid. Like this is, this is the, she basically making a whole argument about the patriarchy. And I, I really enjoyed the, this section here, this little conversation here. It's really brief, but you know, Lori says something brilliant really uh says look this isn't about women's rights this is about being realistic and doing what needs to be done he's like she's like the those guys know how to shoot guns and they're the ones that should go hunt because that's what makes sense for our survival like don't make a whole thing about this and yeah we're the women and we know how to do fucking laundry so we're gonna do the goddamn laundry i, I, just, I just really liked uh Lori, Lori in this scene here what'd you think of that they they gave her a lot more stuff to work with than in the show I'll definitely say that. I don't think my opinion of her as a character changes, but I could definitely say this is one of those things where I look at it. It's like, ah, you got, you heard a lot more from her in the, in the comic than the show. Just one of those things, I guess just doesn't translate for some reason. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we see the kids; they're playing uh, while Rick, Rick, and um, Rick and Shane are out sh- are out hunting, and uh, they come upon Rick and Shane come upon this zombie who is like sitting there just eating a deer. So this is when I was like, oh, so they do eat they do eat animals. So that doesn't explain the horse. I guess they just never came upon that horse that that Rick found, um, because maybe there was maybe the zombies kind of know when you're dead because they only they only eat alive things. So maybe because they you know that family in there was dead, they, you know, in the, in the other issue, uh, there was no reason for them to even go into that house because there was no living. But then they would still smell the horse. Whatever. Let's just move on. Um, so that this zombie is eating this deer, and uh, Rick is like, man, it doesn't even know we're here, and he's like, and Shane. Like, do you think we should get the deer away from that thing? And they're like, they're actually, they need food. So, and Rick's like, do you, do you think it would be safe to eat? Like, uh, I don't know. Let's think about this. Just the little things. And yeah, then Lori is kind of telling uh, the story about how, how and her and Rick met and all this stuff. It's they were they met through like Rick's brother or something like that. Um, yada yada yada. Uh, they're on their way back to camp when uh, a zombie spots the the ladies and then comes up from behind and uh, as they're approaching as as the the zombie is pr- approaching the ladies from behind um alan i think is the one i watch he yells look out and uh, then all sorts of commotion starts happening he's like Don- donna move damn it donna move as, as donna is getting attacked by uh this zombie and then dale swoops in with his axe and chops that damn zombie's head off i like i really enjoyed uh this moment from dale Ooh, here. yeah so chops the zombie's head off and uh you know she's like uh Donna's like, oh my god, you saved my life. He's like, yeah, don't don't mention it. The kids run up, yada yada yada. He's like, you know, I was just, I was just chopping high firewood when I heard these screams, and then you hear the zombies like, gag, and they're like, oh my god, it's still alive, even with its freaking head chopped off. Um, then we go back to uh, to Rick and Shane. And, uh, you know, they're, they're basically thinking like, at least Rick's like, I don't even want to think about the diseases these things must carry. Like, I'm not eating any of that deer and neither is my family. And, and Shane's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. He's like, you're, have you ever seen one up this close? Cause it's kind of just like sitting there, uh, just eating the deer. Like they're like feet away from this thing. He's like, yeah, a couple of times, but not for this long without it attacking me because basically it's, it's already eating. It's already getting its food. Like these are not highly intelligent creatures. They basically just find food and eat food. And if they're eating food, then they don't need to do anything else. So they don't, they're not attacking humans out of maliciousness. They're just eating food. So, you know, he has no reason to attack them. And then suddenly though, the zombie looks up and he's like, and starts to get up and slowly walk towards them. They're like, Oh, that's not good. They, they, he does see it. He does see us here. And he's like, well, just chops this thing. Right. Rick just chops that zombie, uh, right. in right in the head with his ax. And then uh, they do hear the blam, blam, blam. They hear the shots from the camp, so they run on back. Lori's, uh, Rick's running there with a shotgun ready to go. He's like, Lori, you know, yelling for Rory. He's like, you, are you okay? Uh, are you and Carl okay? What happened? She's Carl! Like, he's like, yeah, it came out of the woods, tried to kill us, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, and he's like, all right. So uh, Rick and Lori are uh, smooching here, and we see an up-close of Shane, who is not happy to see Rick and his wife. So all is not good in the hood, Mark. Seems like Dale uh, might have been onto something at this point. So I put my notes. Shane makes angry face as Rick and Lori smooch. Um, this feels like it could be the end of an issue, too. So I'm just going to guess maybe this is the end of the third issue or something. Who knows? Feels right. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah, let's say that. So we go and uh, Rick and Shane are kind of on watch and uh, they are having uh, they start. They kind of get into an argument about moving camps like uh, Shane. Like Shane wants to say 
there. He's like, we got our set up here. We're close to the city uh, so we can go get supplies. And Rick is like, yeah, we're close to the city. That's why we keep getting attacked by zombies. He's like, we need to really get out, like get away from the other food. We need to be mobile. Like if we just sit here, we're just going to keep getting attacked by zombies over and over. You see my faithful, trustworthy friend, Shane. Yes. I am back now. <laughs> and Hello, things have Shane. to change. Thank you for <laughs> keep taking care of my family. Yeah, but Rick's basically like, you know, Shane has been the boss at this point of the camp. Like he's been the leader here and you can see that. And this is like a big theme throughout is who is who should be is the roles of leadership and and what makes one a leader and uh, you know who follows who that's a big theme throughout the comic anyway and um yeah in the end they they agree to stay uh he's like we, i'll stay but we need more guns like we have like three guns and this is not enough to defend ourselves like everyone needs to have a gun so they agree like to maybe they should send glenn to get some guns on his next on his next run into the city um, so they do decide, uh, they're going to go into the city and get guns. They, they talk to Glenn. He's like, and, and Jim like has a tip about, uh, this guy, Jim is from Atlanta. So he's like, he has a tip about where uh, a certain uh, gun store is. And Glenn's like, okay, yeah, we can go there. Let's do it. Uh, but of course, uh, they don't want to send Glenn alone. So Rick is going to go into the city with them. And, uh, Lori is, is not happy about that. He's like, wait, I just got reunited with you. Like, why can't Glenn go alone? He goes alone all the time. And he's like, no, I'm not going to send him in alone. Like, like he needs we, we need two of us to carry the guns at least um so rick is not happy uh, Lori is not happy i should say because rick is you know after just being reunited is, is already heading off into potential danger um then uh, as as rick is and and glenn are kind of walking back to atlanta um glenn reveals to rick that he's like yeah this gym guy seems kind of messed up he's like yeah well he saw his whole family get mauled by zombies in atlanta so if he seems a little off just you know try try to do it yeah you know, try, try to it. understand so this is when they get to the city and you know they come up uh, upon some zombies and this is like a pretty this is one scene i definitely remember pretty well um from the tv series and rick has this idea he's like because they're talking about how the zombies uh he's like he thinks the zombies smell them and, and that's how they kind of operate um so rick, but they never he says like the, the zombies like never seem to attack each other so they don't see each other's food so rick has this idea to like rub this zombie stuff on him so they come across this dead zombie and he just basically breaks off this zombie's hand and starts rubbing it on himself and you now he hands it to glenn he's like here rub some zombie on you and he's like in glenn just pukes he just is like this is like so disgusting and this is like I, I I don't know what what did you think of this scene in the show? I thought the scene was actually this is one of the scenes in the show where I was like, okay, this is why I gave it more than the two or three episodes because I was like, okay, this is kind of this is kind of cool. This is like a new concept of zombies that I've I've never actually seen this done in a movie before. Where they basically, um, I think they do it a little, they play it up a little bit more so in the show. But here they're basically just pretending to be zombies. They put they put zombie stuff all over themselves and then they walk into the city. And uh, Rick kind of tests it out by going up to this one zombie and like just putting its hand in front of him. And the zombie just goes raw and like, and like, and Rick's like, ah, you know, pulls his hand away. And Glenn's like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. He's like, no, it worked. Like all he did was slap my hand away. He didn't try to bite me, didn't try to eat me. And it's not coming after them. So he's like, oh, okay, I guess. I guess this does kind of work. So they're going through the city, walking next to zombies. <laughs> it's like, and he's like, all right, so far, so good. This is working out okay. And then they come upon this, like, they're getting to the part of the area where, uh, you know, they're supposed to get to this gun store. Glenn's like, I, I don't know, man. I've never been this far into the city. And there are freaking zombies 
everywhere here. I mean, they're just zombies piled upon upon, upon upon zombies, upon zombies, upon zombies. You see a tank, so that was, I guess, from the U.S. government's attempts to uh, to, to to make things work out, which obviously didn't work. Uh, you see like a zombie on top of the tank. But I really love the the sporadic use of splash pages too. They don't use them that often, but whenever they do, it's really effective. Like we got a big splash page when Rick uh, broke out of the coma, and then we get another big splash page here, just showing like the amount of zombie overrun that there is here. Um, um, and and Glenn just like, oh, this is this is worse than I thought. Um, but yeah, Rick and Glenn then start kind of making their way through the zombies. He's like, you know, just stay calm. Don't freak out. We're going to be fine. Making our way downtown yeah, to the zombies. <laughs> through Sorry, I had to break out immediately. You will get Dawson's Creek uh, theme song references. Was that from Dawson's Creek? It's from that area. It's from from that era of music, that's for sure. Yeah, like mid to late 90s cringe TV. Exactly, yes. Uh, so yeah, then, uh, Rick gets a shopping cart. He's like, what's that for? He's like, well, we can carry more guns with it. And he's like, oh, well, that makes sense. He's like, all right, so how are we going to get in? He's like, well, this door is made of wood. So, uh, you know, Rick just kicks in the door, poof. And he's like, all right, what do we, what should we get? He's like, we'll get some of everything, <laughs> but just make sure we get, you know, the, the matching bullets for the matching guns we have. He's like, all right. So they get a bunch of shit, fill up this tank with, um, with guns. They head on out. This plan seems to be working pretty well. Um, and then suddenly, uh oh. It starts to rain. The rain starts to come down, uh, and they're like, and this is when they realize, like, oh shit, now it's really coming down. He's like, we're not going to last long in this rain. Now the rain has basically washed all this zombie stuff off of them, and now they're like, oh shit. Rick's like, feel shit. the rain on your skin. <laughs> He's like, we got to book it. He's like, the rain. Look at them. The rain is washing the smell off. They're they're noticing us now. He's like, oh fuck, oh shit. Now they are just running and running and running. Uh, they run and they. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, you can just feel like the frustration. How how difficult this must be. Like the cart just gets knocked over, and they're and all the guns they just got after getting through all this zombie mess all, all fall out. He's like, oh my god, get the cart. Just grab as many guns as you can let's go let's go and and glenn's even freaking out now he's like oh god oh god rick even seemingly gets bit on the shoulder but it doesn't go through his jacket he's got that that big um sheriff leather jacket on so uh he goes and shoots the zombie blasts into the head and of course now that he's shooting zombies we've learned the zombies are attracted to the noise so it's just drawing more and more zombies uh so they're just they're just making their way through these zombies like we're almost there we're almost there Lens like, I think we're going to make it. Just keep running. And finally, they do seemingly get out of Atlanta away from the zombies. What did you what did you think of this whole scene? And uh, how does it compare to how this played out uh, in the TV show? Because I think both here and the TV show, this is one scene that I really enjoyed and I really found effective. Uh, not just the sort of innovation of using the zombie smell against them, but um, you know, just the the intensity of it. And the the, the my, like my heart starts to pound when I when I read this, which is why, you know, another reason I just love this book. Like they really do. He, Robert. Kirkman really has a way to suck you into the emotion of it. And you like, I really felt like I was the one running, running from the zombies here. I mean, it really, it really gets intense. Yeah. I mean, like what I said earlier about it being in black and white, sometimes color is noise. That's what really draws you in because up until this point, we've had a few scary moments, but nothing that has felt like, Oh, somebody might actually die. This is the first time where somebody might actually die. And because of the way that they've laid it out in both story pace and art flow, it, it really pulls you in. In terms of this use of the zombie scent and everything, it's kind of a chicken or the egg scenario because I remember seeing this used as a tactic in a Shaun of the Dead 
when they need to go from the backyard to the pub oh, did they in do order this in to, the they, they did that in Shaun of the Dead where they had, no, they had, it wasn't orig- as original as I thought. I don't, I don't know if it started here or not. I think it just depends on when it, when it happened, because remember that's also I think Shaun of the Dead was before this. 2005, 2004, 2005. Oh, all right, that's around the same timeline. Yeah. They also do this in zombie land because that's how Bill Murray gets around Los Angeles. Well, I guess I just forgot every other time this has been done in pop culture because to me it was felt really original. <laughs> I mean, here actually was like they, they explain it everywhere else. They just kind of guessed it and it was always used kind of like a joke. They're like, this could never actually work. I think this was the first time where it's like, oh, no, this is a serious thing that could actually be used to defer zombies. I mean, uh, Max Brooks, he wrote uh, the zombie survival guide and everything and World War Z. He actually wrote like the the modern rules for how zombies work in zombie horror uh, within that genre. And um, I think he said it could work. All right. Well, if he said it, then we know it's true. Right. Because zombie science is real. Yes. And as it, as it ends here, they're kind of just like taking a second to, to you know, relax. And Rick is like, oh, thank God. This is when Rick realized he didn't actually get bitten. Like the, the bite didn't go through his uh, through his jacket. And he's just like, please don't tell Lori how close we came. And that maybe ends an issue. <laughs> it feels like the end of an issue. Um, so then we go on and we see Rick, who is uh, not Rick. We see Shane, who is comforting Lori. What a nice guy. He's just being a good friend. He says, you've got nothing to worry about, Lori. You know, Rick can handle himself. You've seen what he's gotten through already. You know, he, he and Glenn, they'll, they'll be back before you know it, as he's as he's probably secretly hoping that that doesn't happen. And he, she's just like, I just wish he hadn't gone. Like, why did he have to put me through all this again? And he, he's just like, you know, come back to camp, Lori. Too cold, too cold to be out inside this rain. And he grabs her hand, and he starts to get a little sweet on her here. He's like, you know, staying out here isn't going to make him come back any sooner. Let me keep you company. And she's just like, Shane, don't. She's like, you've got to stop. Rick is back now. He's alive. He's my husband. You've got to stop this. And Shane's like, well, what about that night, you know, on the road down here? And she's like, that night, um, that night was a mistake. So, Shane, time to, time to move over, buddy. You, ha- you had your moment, but, um, you know, Rick's back now. Rick's in charge. And yeah, so we, we then start, this also could be the beginning of an, an, an issue. I, I, this seems like the beginning of an issue. Yeah. I'm going to call this the beginning of an issue. Maybe it's issue five and we see a, uh, um, what a vulture. Yeah. A vulture. Ooh, gross. A vulture picking at, uh, this zombie and then taking off. And then we see that the, uh, the gang is in shooting practice. It's shooting practice time. And clearly the best shot of these, like some, like, uh, Donna's not a very good shot at all, but Andrea is like the ace of this thing. Like she can shoot these cans. She shoot these tin cans with total precision. And, um, you know, she's just like, you know, man, it's, this is real easy. You know, she's like, this isn't hard shooting things. It's just pointing and shooting. It's not brain surgery. And Rick's like, Oh yeah, well maybe try telling my wife how easy this is. And she's like, Oh, be nice, which is actually interesting. Consider I'm not going to spoil this series. Um, but yeah, the relationship from between Rick and Andrea is an interesting one. And it almost feels like a seed might've been planted here for way down the road. And Rick's like, Hey Carl, you ready? You going to come shoot, shoot, learn how to shoot. And then you see Lori is given like the absolute most evil stare to Rick at all. And he just has like nothing to say. And he's like, she is not happy at all, obviously about the fact that Carl is learning to shoot guns, but Hey man, this is zombie world. All right. Frankly, in regular world, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching. Put a mask on. Teaching a kid to shoot. Put your mask on, Carl, and stop shooting guns. Yeah, and he's, and and Carl's actually a pretty good shot. You know, he hits a couple of cans. He's like, you know, hey, hey, great job. And and um, Carl's like, hey, does this mean I get to carry a gun now like everyone else? And Rick is like, yeah, yeah, I, I think you can do that. He's like, all right, everybody, that'll do it for today. You know, you're all doing great. I think everyone here is capable of defending themselves at least at a close distance. You should all be pleased with your progress. Rick and I were, oh, this is actually Shane talking. 
Rick and I were a bit worried when we started three weeks ago, but you've impressed us both. So we see that like some weeks, this is, you know, this is not like the next day. Time has passed. They've been working on these guns for a while. And uh, they're going back to camp, and he's like, uh, I've got an announcement. Rick's like, I've got an announcement to make. I, I think if any of you have been paying attention to Carl on the shooting range, you know that he knows how to handle a gun. I know he's young, but just for safety's sake, he's going to be carrying his own gun for now on. And Carl's probably like eight or ten years old. And he's like, I know I know some of you, my wife included. I like how he's just not having this conversation with her. He's doing it in public. He's like, object to this. But when I said everyone needs a gun, I meant everyone needs a gun. I'll be relying on all of you to help me keep an eye on him. He's to keep his gun holstered at all times. If he takes it out once without danger present i'll be taking it away please let me know if you see him so much as act like he's going to take it out and he's like damn it Lori, will you stop he's safer this way she's just storming off he's like is he how can he be so sure he's seven years old for christ so he's seven yeah uh i'm sorry bitch you're in a zombie apocalypse yeah. the same rules don't apply i get you might want not want your kid walking around town with a gun and you know and his and gun when you know in, in normal times but this is freaking zombie apocalypse time. This is basically what Rick's saying. He's like, shit, Laura, you're overreacting. The first hint of him treating like a toy, I'll take it away. But this is fucking zombie apocalypse. Like, we got we to gotta have some different r- r- rules here. She's like, would you rather a pack of those monsters follow the gunshots right to us? Oh, no. He's like, I wish this place wasn't. This is what Dale is saying. He's like, I wish uh, this place wasn't so damn far from camp. And they're like, yeah, well, if we do it close to camp, the zombies will just follow the gunshots to us. So that's that's a big thing that with the zombies is smell. If they're close to you, they can smell you. And uh, but they are attracted to sound. So like you want to avoid making loud noises because the zombies, they they at least have the intelligence to know loud noises means alive creatures means food. Uh, so they're heading back to camp here. And um, basically, um yeah, Shane goes off on Rick at some point for um for um for like moving the key for wait, hold on. I gotta take a break here. All right, so yeah, and, and Shane uh Shane is pretty pissed at Rick because uh because they're moving the camp and you know he was opposed to that, but apparently like Rick is like slowly kind of taking over the leadership role here and Shane just kind of storms off and Dale's like, hmm, that that boy's got problems. Yeah, he's got problems. He's, he wants to fuck your wife. That boy ain't right. Uh, we then have a little campfire catch-up time, and everyone kind of goes around the fire talking about their their pre-zombie jobs and pre-zombie uh, lives. Lives. Uh, meanwhile, Amy steps away and immediately gets attacked by a zombie. Gets bit by a zombie, and now it is a full-on zombie attack. Um, so it, it is like it's like crazy zombies now because Amy gets bit, screams, and they're like, "Oh no, Amy! No, no, no!" And then they shoot, start shooting guns because some of the zombies are so close. And of course, when you start shooting guns. It attracts more zombies. So it is just like a full on zombie attack. Jim just loses his shit on this zombie. He goes nuts. Like he's going crazy on the zombie um, because, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of reliving his, uh, I guess his, um, his seeing his whole family get mauled by zombies. So for him, Welcome for Jim, to Boy, the tear down. it's a little personal for Jim, for sure. So they finally seem to clear the way of, of all the zombies. Um, and then uh, in the end, oh, and actually at one point, like Lori is about to be attacked by a zombie. She drops her gun. Who saved? her seven-year-old carl blasts a zombie right in the head and uh yeah kind of proving the point okay maybe rick was right maybe it wasn't too bad to have your kid have the gun guns Uh, don't kill people mark zombies kill people (laughs) exactly um so yeah they they basically cleared everything out and uh yeah like i said jim goes jim goes absolute town on on this one zombie and uh they're just kind of recovering from the whole thing and and then um laurie notices she's like jim jim oh my god you've been bitten and he's like this no no nothing but a scratch 
watch and, and they we see it up close of Jim's hand, arm and it is like half the there's like a giant piece of flesh just missing from his arm. He's like, no, no, it's it's just a scratch. I'll be okay. So then we see like the next day, like Jim has got his this thing ripped up. He's kind of in a blanket. They're having a little funeral for Amy here. And now they're kind of all saying their their words about this chick they've just known for a few weeks here. You know, Shane's like, oh, yeah, she always had something to say. And that's one thing I, I liked about her. Um, blah, blah, blah. She wasn't a zombie. Yeah, she wasn't a zombie. <laughs> so that was nice. Always nice to have some people around that aren't zombies. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and they're like, well, yeah, they're basically just yeah, having a nice little funeral. And they're walking away. And Andrea's kind of taking an extra minute because it's her sister. Uh, we then go. And I think, uh, is this Donna or maybe Carol? I get them confused. Uh, is checking on Jim. And he's just kind of like, kind of hold out hope here. He's like, they're, they're kind of like, you know, there's a little cognitive dissonance here. Like they know he's turning to a zombie, but they're kind of like, you know, well, maybe he won't really turn all the way into a zombie. You know, maybe he won't turn, you know, nobody knows anything for sure. Like anything could happen. He's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I won't turn in, into a zombie. He's like, well, if you need anything, just give us a yell and someone will come get me. You know, if I don't hear, if they don't hear from you. And, uh, and they're, they're basically just like, you know, talk there, there, when she gets outside of the tent, uh, I think it's Jim, here, you know, Alan here. He's like, well, how's he doing? He's like, well, uh, getting worse. He's like kind of turning into a zombie. He's like, you know, if what Dale said about his wife is true, like he hasn't got long, like Dale's wife turned into a zombie in about half a day. Jim's going through all the same stuff. It's just taking longer for him. He says his whole body is freezing, but he'd almost burn you. If you touched him, he's still got his wits though. We'll see. He's like, and, but Jim was vaccinated. <laughs> he was vaccinated. What's going on here? He was double vaccinated. He had his card and everything. <laughs> it's not supposed to be like this. And they're like, yeah, maybe it won't happen to him. They're like, yeah, yeah, maybe it won't happen <laughs> to him. And um, so they're they're, uh, they're going around now. Uh, Carl is out hunting um, with uh, Jim and uh, not Jim with Rick and Shane, and they shoot a rabbit. So that's nice. He's like, cool, a few more of those, and we'll all be set. Like like Rick is just trying to make a small talk, and Shane is just like not responding to him at all. He's like clearly just like pissed off. And and Carl's like, you know, we don't have to get as as much as usual, Dad. You know. Amy's dead. <laughs> you know, he's just like a kid. He's just like, no, we don't have to get as much food. He's like, Amy's dead, you know, and Jim's too sick to eat. So like, we don't need as much food. I like this Carl. He's stoic. <laughs> he is very stoic. And Rick's like, I, I I, know, son, I know. And and then Shane just goes off. He's like, damn it, Rick. It's not my fucking fault. And then Rick's like, I like hell. It isn't. I told you this is going to happen. Oh yeah. This is when they're arguing. Yeah. Cause before they're arguing about not moving camp. And now Rick is like, I told you we should have fucking moved the camp. He's like, you know, we're not safe here. How many more fucking people have to die before you realize that? Like we need them. If we're going to survive, you know, we could do it on our own. Uh, you know, I would leave the rest of you here if I could survive on my own, but we need each other to survive right now. And you know, he's just like, think Rick, we'll be lost out there. The army is going to drive through here any day now. Like Shane is still living in this world where the army is going to come by and, and kind of save the day. And, and Rick's just like, what are you even basing this on? What indication do we have that we're not the only survivors? What was that attack on the camp? Are they hunting in packs now? Because there was a bunch of them, you know, before they kind of been more on like individual zombie bases. Like, we're not safe. And um, yeah, so then and Carl just kind of runs off because he's a kid and he's scared because daddy's yelling. Um, then we see Dale is kind of a comforting Angela here a little bit. And then we go back and see Jim, who is not in good shape. He is really uh, turning into a zombie. And uh, Carol's just like, is this Carol or Donna? I still can't figure it out. They look the same to me. Uh, he's like, you know, we, we can't do that to you, Jim. Like you're, you can start getting better. So obviously like, oh, it is Donna. He's like, Donna, you don't understand. I can feel it coming like this. You got to do this thing. Like I'm turning into a zombie here. He's like, <laughs> he's coughing. He's like, please, they have to do this for me. Get him ivermectin. 
I get in to get my ivermectin. Uh, he's like, and she's like, you know, it's, it's the only way I'll ever be with my family again. Please just do this. And she comes out and tells everybody, she's like, Jim, Jim knows what we have to do. And so he's kind of just sitting up against a tree. Um, and Rick's talking to him. He's like, are, are you absolutely sure? He's like, you know, just leave me here. When I come back, uh, maybe I'll find my family. Maybe they can come back too. Maybe we could be together again. So he's like, maybe I'll turn into a zombie. And, uh, oh yeah. So they'd actually just, oh, they don't kill him. That's right. They don't actually kill him. They just take him and they, they move camp and they leave him there. So they don't actually kill him. They actually let him there, there to become a zombie. Cause you know, he's like, his last hope is like, maybe I become a zombie and maybe I find my zombie family and we just all live a happy zombie life. And then maybe you guys got to kill me later. Cause I'm a zombie. This episode. So second print comics is brought to you by mercy killing <laughs> by suicide. We start with suicide. We end with mercy killing <laughs> on the next SPC. Um, thank you very much to our sponsors today. This is the darkest episode we've ever had. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, the next morning here, uh, Rick gets out of bed. He's yawning. They're at the new camp here. He's like, Oh, good morning. He's like, uh, talks to Carl. He's like, Hey, good morning, dad. And, and change is like, Rick, Hey Rick, uh, let me know when you're ready and we'll go out hunting. He's like, uh, all right, just give me a few minutes. I'll be ready to go. And Carl's like, can I go too? And he's like, no, sorry, son, not this time. And he's like, come on, Rick. Why? And change is like, come on, Rick, why not let him come along? And this is when Rick says, because we need to talk Shane. Uh-oh. So, you know, this isn't going to go well. And she's Jerry, like, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> this is, this is our, our Springer moment for sure. He's like, what do we have to talk about? He's like, what the hell do you think? And then and Shane just punches Rick in the face. He's like, it wasn't my motherfucking fault. Because right now they're still arguing about the, the camp thing and how, how Jim died. Right, the camp thing. <laughs> yeah, this is about the camp. This isn't really about the camp thing so much. Um, and Lori's like, you son of a bitch, uh, to, to Shane, who just punched her husband. And she like she claws it at Shane. And then uh, she's like, stay away from him, you fucking lunatic. And this is the moment you see like in Shane's eyes. Like He's like, oh, fuck, I'm really not going to get her back. Like I think, I think Shane really did develop like feelings for Laura uh, for Lori and then he's in his delusional mind even after Rick came back still thought like oh well you know maybe I still have a chance here to, to work this thing out bitches ain't loyal mm-hmm. and she's just like what the fuck is wrong with you and he's just like I I and he just he just kind of like walks away and everyone has this shocked look on their faces like they, we get up close of Carol Donna uh, Jim Dale or not Jim Jim's a zombie uh, Alan Glenn <laughs> Dale and they're all just like they're all like this is awkward they're like we're not supposed to be watching this I don't think <laughs> like, this isn't about the campsite is it <laughs> <laughs> this is so not about the campsite anymore and Shane's just like uh, uh, fuck this and he just takes off and then Rick's like Shane Shane wait hold on Lori just collapses like she you know, she, she's like, what happened to us? And, uh, you know, she's like, Laura and Dale's kind of comforting her. He's like, Laura, are you, are you okay? He's like, it's never going to be the same again. We're never going to be normal. He's like, just look at us. And so Shane is, uh, Rick is running after Shane, but we also see Carl running after them. Carl. Um, so Rick just yells, Shane, stop, stop, stop. And Shane's like, what do you want? You come to rip my heart out of my chest and points the shotgun right at Rick. And he's like, Shane, Jesus, what are you talking about? Be careful with that thing. He's like, go ahead and rip it out, Rick. I don't fucking need it anymore. Take it, take it. Uh, Cause I think in Shane's world, like the only thing he had after the zombie apocalypse was was Laurie now and I think he thought he was the new man of the house but then you know Rick coming back kind of just ruined his whole situation this episode of second print comics is brought to you by banging your best friend's wife Uh, the, the, we, we might need a new we need a new ad guy we need a new guy to sell ads we need some different sponsors here I don't, yeah these I don't are know. getting kind of seedy 
<laughs> I mean, these work for this episode, but I don't know if, if we need to sponsor a Superman episode with these the same sponsors here. Uh, and Rick's just like, Shane, can you just please put the gun down? He's like, you really did it for me, buddy. You really fucking did it. He's like, yeah, yes. He's, oh, yes, you did. I'm nothing now, Rick. Nothing. I've got nothing, Rick. No friends, no family, no respect, no fucking life. I love the cursing in the show because it's it's appropriate. Like sometimes cursing can be inserted into movies or comics and it doesn't make sense. But for the intensity of this scene, like, yes, he should be swearing his ass off because there's so much emotion here. He's like, this fucking world, this fucking godforsaken world is shit. There's no nothing from here, Rick. Nothing. I thought I could make it. I thought I could hold out. Wait until they came and rescued does they would have brought us nice beds hot showers fresh clothes like like shane wasn't same isn't cut out for this they were coming rick we were gonna be okay and rick's like look we're we still are shane everything's gonna be fine he's like i can't live like this rick i thought i could but i can't i thought i could and i did everything was going so good she would have come around eventually i know it she would have and this is when Rick's like, what? Because I don't think Rick really realizes like what's going on yet. Um, it's not about the campsite, <laughs> Rick. <laughs> the camp. And Shane's like, everything was so perfect until you came back. He's like, God damn it, Shane, to stop this. And Shane is pointing the gun right at Rick now. He's like, no, Rick, this is the only way. This is what has to happen. You weren't meant to come back. You weren't meant to live. And Rick's just pleading. He's like, please, Shane, don't do this. When suddenly we see a bullet fly through Shane's neck and we see... It was Carl, and he says, Carl! Carl! He says, don't hurt my daddy again, and Shane just (laughs) grabs his neck, collapses to the ground, and Rick's like, Carl, my God. He's hugging Carl. Shane collapses and dies, and he just says, oh, son. And Carl says, it's not the same as killing the dead one's daddy. And uh, Rick says, it never should be, son. It never should be. This episode of Second Print Comics is brought to you by giving your nine-year-old a handgun. Seven-year-old. And having Seven-year-old. Him so he can shoot your best friend who's about to shoot you because you came back after he fucked your wife. Yes. <laughs> and that does it for today's fun-filled episode of Second Print Comics. But yeah, that does wrap up the the first trade paperback. That, es- that ends issue six. That's just like I, I only knew in the beginning that it was beginning of issue one. I only know this is the end of issue six. Um, and man, this, this definitely has a faster pace than the, the TV show. Remind me, I think this, I think something similar happened with Shane in the show, but I they, don't think they get all the way to, um, to, uh, to Herschel's farm. And what ends up happening is like Shane and Sh- Shane and, uh, Shane goes a lot darker in the show. Yeah, like I mean, it's, I mean, it's more sh- of a progression. Sh- Shane kills a bunch of people. Yeah. Like intentionally too. Yeah, Shane becomes like a full on villain more so in the show than here where he's just kind of has this moment and then it's, it's over for him. I, I would say that while this definitely moves faster, I do like the way the TV show did it because it was a slow burn so that you're anticipating it. So when it finally happened, I felt like the delivery was better. Yeah. I, I just like that. It's I, what I, again, what I love so much about this comic is like, I think one of the reasons that I didn't just, cause I didn't know if I loved the comic or not when I started reading, but because of the, the pace is so fast and it really just, it keeps me interested all the time because something new is happening all the time. And I imagine in zombie apocalypse, like that might be more realistic. Like, it, like there might just be, Oh my God, shit happens. A zombies attack. This is going on. So, I mean, that, that that's really what pulled me into this series. And I, I mean, even in six issues, like so much has happened and six issues. Like we go through this whole thing with Rick and then Shane and, and Carl, Carl kills a guy, you know, only six issues in. And, um, yeah. How did they end up doing this thing with Shane in the show? I don't remember. Did, was it Carl that killed him in the show too? Or it, was, was it, it was still you know, Carl who did it. Was it. still Carl. It just took longer to get yeah. there. Huh? Well, actually I, I, this is why I kind of like the show better. So him and Rick get into a fight in the fields of Herschel's farm and, um, out of nowhere because, uh, Shane has a gun to Rick's head as Rick is on his knees. Rick pulls out some jujitsu and has like a secret knife hidden in his boot. So he comes up and just shanks like Shane a bunch of times. So he, he kills 
Shane initially, but once ends up happening is Shane comes back as a zombie. Oh, right. And then, and then Carl comes out and shoots zombie Shane. Right. And that's when they realize in the show that whatever is infecting people and turning them into zombies, they all already have it. It's just when they die, then that's when they become zombies. So it's like, you don't have to get bit by a zombie to become a zombie. It seems like everyone in the show has been infected with some kind of virus. So when you die, although although that must not be the same in the comic because that family we found didn't turn into zombies. You know, that family that Rick found. They, they, they would never have because they were shot in the heads. Mm. Oh, cause they shot themselves in the head. Right. Cause you that still zombie need the, rule still applies. That makes sense. Okay. That does make sense. Then yeah, because the zombie virus or whatever it is still needs the, a functioning brain basically to control the body. So once the brain is no longer working, then no longer zombies. So, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well that, that wraps this things up, this thing up, Remzo. So why don't we just get into our scores? Uh, I'll toss it to you first. I love the storytelling. I love the dialogue. I love the characters. I love the pace. I really have no criticisms about this first volume. I think it's one of the better ones because this is Robert Kirkman really going out on limb, being his most experimental, really channeling his inspirations such as Eric Larson, bringing the zombie genre into comic books once again, and still the king because there were a bunch of zombie comics that came out after this and none of them have been as successful as The Walking Dead. I'm giving this first volume for story a 5 out of 10. The artwork, I'm giving uh, a nine out of, I'm sorry, I'm giving a four out of five because I like the penciling. I like the inking. I like the facts that it is uh, black and white. However, there are other artists that when I think of who does really good of black and white, um, I really think that this this could have been, uh, you know, changed a little bit. And The Walking Dead will switch artists throughout the run. You will still have that black and white, um, you know, theme going on, but you'll have different renderings of characters, which I think are a bit better. They really stick to more of that horror vibe. This one still feels kind of comic booky to a degree, so I'm giving it a 4 out of 5 for a total score of 9 out of 10. Alright, well, we're not too far off, and I made it pretty clear from the beginning, this is one of my favorite series of all time, and I'm and now that we've started this, I, I, I probably will continue through this again, because I'm remembering now like how much I really love the series and the characters and the progression of the characters. Um, so yeah, I give the story uh, absolutely a 5 out of 5. The art, too, I think is is pretty near, damn near perfect. Like, I, to me, I think Tony Moore's art is awesome. I, I, I mean, I knew that I pretty much think that art's always good on Walking Dead, no matter who they go to. Um, I guess I, the only reason I won't give the art a five a full five some of the times maybe it's just the problem of drawing a bunch of white chicks with in black and white it's like i get confused of some who are some of the characters are like if unless they're naming them like it's donna and carol look like exactly the same to me like andrea and amy well luckily amy's dead so we don't have to worry about her anymore but uh, they like look, look the same to me so like sometimes there's just a few instances where i'm like wait who is this who is that um so that's the only reason i'm not going to give it the full five on the art but i am going to give it a 4.5 so i'm giving the walking dead a 9.5 that gives us a total spc score of 18.5 out of 20 That is absolutely a must-read score. This is one of the highest scores we've given in a long time. Yeah. Yes, it is indeed. And, and well-deserved. So, um, that pretty much does it for our, not pretty much that does do it for our, for our <laughs> review of the first volume of the walking dead. Again, today's episode, we like to remind you was sponsored by suicide by uh, fucking your best friend's wife and by your son, then killing that best friend. And he is seven, by the way, these are our sponsors. Um, of course, our other actual sponsors are our amazing patrons who fund this show, who fully fund everything we do here and are helping us grow this show. Uh, we do put everything we get 
get back into the show. We are not pocketing a dime out of this thing. We are we just finished uh, a few ad campaigns, a few uh, different methods we've been using to market the show so we can get this thing in front of more people because we really are building a community here. And with everything that's gone on in the past 18 months, 18, 20 months, you know, this, this show was a product of the pandemic uh, and we really created this um, because we love comics and we love talking about comics. And But really, we want to help people, you know, we want we want new fans who can go back into this stuff, learn about comics they haven't read before, um, what have you. But at the end of the day, this is really about building a community, a community of people that just enjoy this genre so much. And you can be a part of that community. Um, you can be a part of it for free. If you're listening, you are a part of the community. But if you want to join uh, the conversation, join our Facebook fan group where we have a lot of great discussions. Uh, anybody that joins our Patreon can do that. We also have a couple graphic novels left uh, for new patrons. So this is just for the end of this month. And I think we just have two right now. I literally just went to the post office to mail the second one today, so we've got two remaining. Do you want to tell them which ones that we have left, or do you want to keep it a mystery? I want to keep it a mystery, because right, we'll that a mystery. keeps everything juicier. Yeah, but you will get a free graphic novel if you sign up at any level on Patreon. Any level, the next two patrons will get one of these graphic novels that we have left. Uh, they are a surprise. They are a mystery. Um, that's a freaking bargain right there, guys. $5 a month, you, if you even at that level, you will get a graphic novel. Of course, we have some amazing levels, uh, certain levels of uh, the Journey into Mystery. You can hop on a call with Remzo and I once a month. Um, uh, there's uh, the Kirby Club, of course. Uh, last month, uh, we actually have the Kirby Club coming up again ne- next month. It, it came came back. Uh, we have Eric, uh, who's setting us up with a pretty interesting episode that we'll get to. And then we have a new, new Kirby Club member, too. So we got another one coming into the rotation. So uh, we are just growing and expanding. And you can find all of that over at patreon.com slash second print pod remzo any last words any more sponsors folks be awesome that's all we ask and remember most importantly there's one thing you have to take with you every day every night every second of your life read comics and change change the the world good night america adios Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 